Well, I was expecting that this Easter morning, our sanctuary would be filled up with smiling faces, that we would all be dressed up in our Easter best, and we'd be eating donut holes out in the great room, and kids would be looking for Easter eggs around our sanctuary and campus. But today is different. Today feels different. We are in a season of separation. That separation is something that is hard for us as a community. And over the past few weeks, as I have been reading headlines, there have been some hard, hard headlines to process. But I found some glimmers of hope here and there. And those glimmers of hope have happened when I have read headlines about reunions, about people coming back together in unexpected ways. Last week, NBC reporter Janice Mackey Freyer was reunited with her six-year-old son. She had been in quarantine for 49 days because she was covering the spread of the coronavirus in Japan and China and in the UK, and then she had a subsequent quarantine. So she came on the Today Show to talk about what it was like when she was reunited with her son. And it was such a beautiful story. She said that it was electric when they came back together. Because separation is hard. Not being physically present with the people who we love most is incredibly challenging, and it can render our hearts in a different way than we are used to. But then when we come back together, the joy of those reunions is incredible. It is fuller in some ways than we could ever experience without that initial separation. Well, God has blessed us this morning, and our text that we are going to be in this Easter Sunday is all about separation and reunion, a separation that seemed incredibly permanent and a reunion that only God could accomplish. We have been in a series on images of Jesus that we find throughout the Gospel of John. We have talked about how Jesus is a teacher, how Jesus walked on water, how Jesus was a mourner and grieved with us. Today we are going to meet Mary Magdalene and the risen, resurrected Jesus in a garden together, and we are going to meet Jesus as a gardener. Please join me in John 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and sisters and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. This is a story of ultimate separation, death that causes separation, and reunion through resurrection. 
At the heart of this passage, we learn two things that I want us to dive deeply into today. The first is that Jesus knows each of us by name. And the second is that God's work of resurrection reunites us with the risen Jesus. At the beginning of this passage, we meet Mary Magdalene, and she is in the depths of her grief. Here's a little bit of what she has gone through. We first meet Mary Magdalene in Luke 8, and Jesus heals her of seven demons. After that, she fully devotes herself to Jesus' ministry. She does things like travel with him and support his ministry. She studies with him, and she even goes all the way to the cross with him. Now, when I say the name Mary Magdalene, what do you think of? Some of you may not even be able to respond because there are young ears in the room. Culture and tradition have mapped a bad reputation onto Mary Magdalene. If you're interested in why that has happened, you can read more in the sermon notes in our digital bulletin. But what we know from the Gospels is that Mary Magdalene was a faithful disciple of Jesus. And in John 19, we read that she was one of the people who stood nearest to to the cross as he died. This friend and disciple watched her Savior die a cruel and horrible death, and the permanence of that separation would have set in her soul. So she shows up at the tomb, which is in a garden, and she can't find Jesus's body. In this moment, she seems blinded by grief. She stoops down and looks into his tomb, and she sees two angels, and those angels begin to speak to her. Now, most often in scripture, when people encounter angels, the phrase that follows is do not fear, because people either feel fearful or amazed at the appearance of angels. Mary is so distracted by the fear that she has that Jesus' body isn't there, that it's almost as though it doesn't even register with her that they are in fact angels. She just simply responds to their question. And then when Jesus appears to her, she believes that he is the gardener. Now, they were in a garden. The tomb was located in a garden. So it was a fairly practical deduction. But there is even more going on when she calls Jesus the gardener. The very first garden we ever encounter in scripture is all the way back in Genesis, the Garden of Eden. So when Mary calls Jesus the gardener, we are meant to mentally go back all the way to Genesis, to God who created the heavens and the earth and placed the first humans in the Garden of Eden, in this utopia, perfect world together. Mary's supposing that Jesus is the gardener is meant to signal to us Jesus' oneness with God, our creator, the power that he has in this moment. In her grief, Mary doesn't even answer Jesus's question about who she's seeking, but instead she simply begs him that if he knows where Jesus's body is, to please tell her. Into her grief, Jesus simply speaks Mary's name, and Mary's eyes are opened. She cries, Rabbi, teacher, and clings to him. In this moment, Jesus transforms Mary's state of separation into reunion death into new life, a holy reunion simply by speaking her name. About 10 years ago, I was studying abroad in England, and I decided to fly down to Italy to spend a week with my family who live right outside of Rome. We had decided on a pickup location in central Rome, and I thought that I knew where that was. 
Now, the roads in Rome are kind of twisty and turny and a little bit hard to navigate. My Italian is very, very bad, and my cousin's English is okay. So we had decided on this pickup location, and I thought that I knew where I was going, but after a couple of left turns and right turns and alleyways that I didn't recognize, I found myself in a neighborhood that I was not supposed to be in. And looking around, I realized that I was lost, and I was not where I was supposed to be. So I called my cousin, and I told her a few of the things that I saw around me. She said, stay there. I will be there as soon as I can. So I stood there with my bags on my back in a city that I really didn't know very well, and surrounded by a language that I could hardly speak, feeling very isolated, very vulnerable. And after what felt to me like a very long time, but was probably just a couple of minutes, a minivan whips around the corner, and I hear my cousin yell, Melissa, out of the window. And in that moment, I took the deepest sigh of relief because I was found, I was claimed. I was no longer alone, I was no longer unsafe, I was no longer vulnerable, but my family who loved me and claimed me called my name and I knew that I belonged. In this moment with Jesus and Mary, Jesus calls Mary by name, and in that moment, she is reunited. Her belonging is grounded in him. Now, Jesus does not only do this for Mary Magdalene. The beautiful thing is that he calls each and every one of us by name this Easter, and he desires for us to see him in our lives. He wants to reunite us with him even today. Scripture proclaims that God knows each one of us by name. In Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3, we read, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We belong to God, and he shows us that we belong to him by calling each and every one of us by name. Jesus calling us does not only happen when we're sitting in a church. Jesus calling us happens wherever we are. Whether you are in a house or apartment all by yourself this morning, Jesus is calling you by name. Whether you're in a senior living community and you're used to being out with your friends in the main living spaces, but you're in your apartment, Jesus is calling you by name today. Whether you wish that you were in your campus dorm or apartment, but instead you're in your parents' house, Jesus is calling you by name. Or maybe you're a kiddo and you've already run off over the course of the sermon to go eat some Easter candy. That's great. Jesus will meet you there too. Jesus meets us wherever we are, and he claims us. The second lesson of this morning is that God's work of resurrection reunites us with the risen Jesus, and therefore nothing, not even death, can separate us from him. After Jesus says Mary's name and she realizes who he is, we can guess that she embraces him because in verse 17 we read, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, that phrasing sounds a little funny. It just sounds a little bit off. And when we come across phrases that just stand out to us in Scripture, one of the best things that we can do 
is to look to see if it is quoting another passage in Scripture. What we find in this instance is that that phrase, my father and your father, my God and your God, is indeed meant to point us elsewhere in Scripture to the book of Ruth. In Ruth 1, the widow Naomi speaks to her two widowed daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. She tells them to go back to their parents' homes because she won't be able to take care of them. They They were instructed to return to foreign lands that had different cultures and different gods. And Orpah listens to Naomi and she goes back. But Ruth instead in this moment expresses her love to Naomi through loyalty and faithfulness. And she says to her, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so if even death separates me from you. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God, says Ruth. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God, says Jesus. You can hear the similarities in the commitment that Ruth makes to Naomi and that Jesus makes to Mary. But why would Jesus choose this particular language and why would he choose this specific passage? At the end of Ruth's proclamation to Naomi, Ruth says, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this and more so if even death separates me from you. Ruth is making an eternal commitment to Naomi. She states that even in death, they'll be buried in the same place and physically together. And then she raises the stakes by saying that if she ever leaves Naomi for any other reason, may worse than death happen to her. When Jesus speaks to Mary and quotes this passage from Ruth, he is applying the commitment that Ruth makes to Naomi to his own life with Mary, but he magnifies it. For Jesus died a gruesome death. He died on the cross. Mary watched it happen, but God resurrected Jesus. He, in this moment, had conquered that power of death that otherwise would have separated them. God's work of resurrection reunites Mary and us with the risen Jesus now and forevermore. In this moment, Jesus is proclaiming to Mary that wherever Mary goes, Jesus will go. That wherever Mary stays, Jesus will stay. That Mary's people are his people and that Jesus' father is her God and that nothing Not even death can separate them now that he is risen. This promise that Jesus makes to Mary is the same promise that he makes to each one of us this Easter Sunday morning, that Jesus is risen, that we are reunited with him in his resurrection, and that nothing can separate us from him now. I have written out that commitment and blessing that Jesus made to Mary but put it in our own terms. And what I would love for us to do is to read it together now. The words will appear on your screen. Please join with me. Wherever I go, Jesus will go. Wherever I stay, Jesus will stay. My people are his people and his father is my God. And nothing, not even death, can separate me from the risen Jesus. 
This is our hope this morning. In the midst of this season of separation and isolation that many of us have never experienced before, Jesus is still here. He is calling you by name. He is meeting you in your home, in your kitchen, in your living room. He sees everything that you've been going through. He's read the headlines. He knows your stress. He knows your fear. He feels your pain. He carries your illness and the illnesses of your family members. He knows your heartbreak and he will meet you there. He will not leave you alone in this season. This Easter, if you feel like you have been walking this life alone and you want to ask Jesus to enter your life, please know that he is waiting with open arms. All you need to say is, Jesus, I need you. Help me to follow you. You will never be alone. And if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you find yourself disoriented during this time that is happening around us and you want to place the weight of your chaos and stress and and anxiety on him, I encourage you to call out to Jesus. He is risen and he is here and he is calling you by name. In praying these prayers together, in committing ourselves to Jesus, we get to join our voices with Mary Magdalene, who after returning to the disciples proclaimed with joy, I have seen the Lord. This is my prayer for us this morning that as we wait in hope for the day that we may be reunited with one another in this sanctuary, that we would already be experiencing reunion with Jesus. For Jesus is risen, and he is calling us by name. May we respond to his call, and when we do, may we together proclaim, I have seen the Lord. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you this morning for your work of resurrection, for breaking the divide of death in order to enter into our lives. God, we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love, not disease, nor joblessness, nor fear, nor isolation. For you listen when we call to you and you draw near to us in our weakness. Lord, we thank you that you call us by name and that we are reunited now and forevermore through the love and sacrifice of your son. We praise you this Easter morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.